Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast presented by First Federal Bank. It's Friday, August 5th. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Chiefs training camp rolls on. On today's show, we hear from the newest addition, defensive end Carlos Dunlap. The 12-year pro spent most of his career with the Cincinnati Bengals and last year with the Seattle Seahawks. He played 38% of the snaps there. He wants more than that in Kansas City. On today's show, which started as a Sports Beat Live, beat writers Herbie Teope and Jesse Newell discuss Dunlap and his potential impact with the Chiefs. Let's get started. Herbie digging the music. Good afternoon and welcome to Sports Beat Live from Chiefs Training Camp in Missouri Western. I'm Blair Kirkhoff, your host. We're here with Jesse Newell, who continues to operate from the great outdoors, and Herbie Teope, um, who operates from the great indoors. So great to see you guys. Uh, I am actually not in St. Joe right now. I, I came back and um, had to get a haircut. That was that was the big thing. No. <laughs> Got some traveling to do later today and uh, and figured it was uh, best to do it, uh, do this show from home. But uh, good day at Chiefs training camp. It was a 10-10-10 day, Herbie. Tell us what a 10-10-10 day is. It's a fast, essentially it's a fast practice. But when Andy Reid does this, you have 10 plays, either 10 plays or 10 minutes between the first team offense versus the second team defense. And then you switch it over to the second team offense offense versus the first team defense. And then that last 10 period is you're essentially your backups. Uh, but you know, that it's meant to be fast. You, your offense should look good against the backups. And conversely, the same thing when your your starting defense goes against the second team offense, they should look good as well. And that's what essentially what we saw. And um, we also, we saw something else today too. And that was a new player for the Chiefs, Carlos Dunlap, with his first practice with the Chiefs. He was on the field yesterday taking it in, but today he worked out. And, Jesse, were there all eyes on, on number eight in the white jersey today? Yeah, there were, and that's uh, that was Herbie's story for today. The news of the day was that Carlos Dunlap was here in Chiefs camp, and basically they're whole now. You know, it's one of those uh, situations where everybody was talking a lot about Orlando Brown a few weeks ago, what was going to be the resolution to his situation. Now that's resolved. He's in Chiefs cat. He's in Chiefs camp. He's here. And now Carlos Dunlap. You know, we all sort of wondered when Brett Beach talked in the offseason about how they needed to upgrade their pass rush, what they were going to do. And they started Carlos Dunlap. He's in here now. He's starting to practice. And so this team, I mean, I, you almost can say until maybe some injuries pop up, but it's kind of settled at this moment. They kind of know what they have, know what they're going to be heading into week one. And so now you wait for the rest of camp to see if there are injuries or or surprises that happened throughout, but the people that needed to be here or that the Chiefs hoped to be here are now here, including this new addition, Carlos Dunlap. So he spoke to media today, and like I said, Herbie's got a great story up on the side about him and the great opportunity he believes he has with the Chiefs this year. Hey, and Herbie, let's we're going to talk about Carlos Dunlap with you in just a moment, but let's hear from Carlos Dunlap first. This is a long clip, about six minutes worth, and I, I thought he was that interesting. Uh, I kept waiting to, you know, look for places to cut cut off after three or four minutes, but then the next question was good and the answer was good. So we're, this is going to be a long stretch of the newest chief, Carlos Dunlap. Great opportunity with a great organization. What they've done the last few years, playing against them on the other side of the ball, I wanted to add what I, you know, my specialties to it and 
we felt like we had mutual interests. Was it a difficult decision? Did you have several other teams that you had to decide from? Yes, there were a couple other teams. And then obviously, you know, these last week or so, ever since camp started, things heated up. Um, but I liked what I heard from the Chiefs. That's why I came out here to meet with them in person to see how I fit, see how they would use me, see how I would contribute, see if it was a fit. And I'm here. Did so. any specific players recruit you at all? No. You know that you work out with uh, Orlando Brown and also uh, yeah. uh, with Chris, Chris Jones down yeah. in Miami. How much did they talk to you? How much did you ask them about Kansas City? Um, I didn't. Well, with the offers and stuff, they weren't down there at the same time. I think they were in OTAs when the first offer came. So I didn't really get that, but I had trained with them. We had worked out together, did all our stuff, you know, normal individually, you know, not knowing that I was going to be a chief. So when I was here, when I got here today, he's like, we didn't even know this was going to be a real thing. Both of them pretty much said that. So it's kind of cool that we already got to know each other a little bit this offseason because we've been working together. Yeah, she signed a little bit later in free agency. Um, what went into just that timetable for you? Uh, patience, you know, this is my 13th year. I've done it. Um, 13, well, 12 different ways. Um, so I wanted to make sure I made an educated decision and went with the team, you know, where, you know, um, there was, you know, mutual interest in, you know, my ability to play and how I'll be used and the opportunity to win. Cause at this point, you know, um, I've done a lot of football. One of the things I have not done is, you know, I haven't got over a hundred sacks. I haven't won a playoff game and I haven't clearly won a Super Bowl. So, those are things that I would like to do at this point in my career, and I'm in hot pursuit, and I feel like this team gives me a, a great opportunity, the best opportunity to do it. So, you know. Speaking of sacks, you've been able to get at least six since 2011. What goes into that consistency of just being able to get to the quarterback? And your my routine. So that's one of the big things that I'm trying to establish and figure out here. Today was the first day. So uh, I contributed to my, my routine, um, my work ethic, um, my team that helps with my routine. So I got to find all the people here, delegate those tasks, and just get a routine and a rhythm going. Carlos, what is it like to hear most from either Andrew Reid or Steve Spagnuolo when you were having those initial conversations and then when you were here before making the decision to sign? Uh, the opportunity to play in every down. Um, obviously, we'll be rolling because we got a young bull, first-round pick who has a lot of talent. Sky's the limit for him. Um, so the opportunity to play in every down, you know, at this point in my career, because I've been a closer in so many games and have 96 sacks in my career, uh, you know, they try to correlate, you know, with being older, taking down your snaps, but um, um, featuring you in passion situations. But I like to eat and <laughs> wherever you put on the table, you know, I like, I like a, what's the word? Yeah, I like. First, I mean, I could say it just like that. Yeah, first and second downs are just important to me as third down. Obviously, I've done many things on third down, closed many games on third down. But I feel like uh, if you impact the game early on first and second down, you can put the game away even sooner. And uh, clearly, these guys have lit, lit up the scoreboard many and one time. So look forward to contributing my strengths to what they are to do well here. Uh, no, because. Getting over 100 puts me, what, in the top, I think I need 103 to get in the top 50-something or 40-something. So I want to shrink that down to at least get to, you know, maybe top 25, 32. So 100 is a big milestone that I will, you know, enjoy and celebrate and be proud of. But four sacks on the year is not my goal. I, was, I you know, try to average eight. He said six the last few years, but I try to average eight a year. 
um, and I want to go for more than that, obviously. And I put my money where my mouth is with the deal we did, structured it that way for, you know, the incentives to increase it. I understand you just got here yesterday, and then today was your first time actually observing the practice from the yes. sidelines. What are your impressions so far as, as you look at what Steve Spagnuolo's defensive scheme uh, wants you to do and, and how you fit there? Uh, that's a tough question. You should ask me in a couple of days because I'm still learning the defense. I was up to about midnight last night trying to catch up on the install. I believe there are you know, a few installs ahead of me. I got two or three of them in yesterday, but today will be the day that I'm going uh, to get with Coach one-on-one and get through it. You know, Obviously, you know, it's camp, so there's a lot of things, moving parts going on. Haven't had opportunity yet to sit and just go through it with them. So we're going to do that. So, you know, give me a little bit of time to answer that question. Coach Cullen, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was another thing uh, that showed the importance of, you know, them wanting me to get here because it's obviously camp. I landed at, what, 1030, got here at like 1130, and the whole staff was here. They had all the all the um, things that I wanted to get answered. Question: Each one of them spent time spent time with Coach Reed one on one eating pizza. Then we went in there with Spags and Coach Cullen watched some tape. Um, basically showed me where I would be, the defense they run, how they call it, his rhythm, and I liked where I fit. So, you know, that morning I signed. Yeah. So clearly that that night was worth it to them and worth it to me. And clearly them taking that initiative to do it in camp, knowing you know it's early days. Like today I was woke, woken up at six six in the morning for a drug test and, you know, I didn't have to be up till nine. So, you know, I know they have early mornings. So that was pretty dope for them to take that time to answer my questions and take that initiative to, you know, get me here. Okay. That was obviously a long clip and thanks for staying with us through that. I hope that, um, the, that the next question was about the pizza and what kind it was and where it came from. Uh, I happen to know it wasn't not the case, though. But Herbie, he, a lot to unpack there, starting with the idea that uh, you know a defensive lineman who played 38% of the defensive snaps last year in Seattle is uh, jonesing for uh, a little more than that this year, based on uh, what he what he told us here. Yeah, I found that fascinating as well because in Seattle, they use him more as a situational kind of guy. And he kind of talked about that. You know, the older you get, he just turned 33 in February. The older the older a player gets, they try to like limit their snaps and then just put them in situations. We saw that in Kansas City with Justin, excuse me, with Tom Bahali. The older he got, Reed kind of pulled back on him. But he still believes he can be an impact player on first, second, and third down. The thing I like about him was he knew – his milestones. He knew the benchmarks. He knew exactly how many sacks he had. And he points out, I've never won a playoff game. I've never had a realistic chance to win a Super Bowl. When you spend an 11 and a half years in Cincinnati, I mean, he spent some dark times with the Bengals. Granted, they've turned the corner, but since entering the league in 2010, Cincinnati has some, you know, some pretty bad teams. He just wants the shot. He's at the time of his career where he just wants a legit shot to win it all. And so why not the Chiefs? Andy talked about uh, the idea or, or was it was it Spags who said something about playing inside that there could be a possibility of him playing inside? I forgot who which one I heard it from, but uh, um, I don't you know, look, more power to him. If, if he if he performs, then he's, he's going to stay on the field. He'll take he'll he'll, he'll get someone's snaps. 
for for um, uh, if if he you know the, the Chiefs are a sack deficient team or were uh, you know a year ago if he can if he can help change that he's going to play a lot. I believe it was Spags who mentioned that you know he might give them some flexibility to play inside and we've seen it out here in training camp with their NASCAR package. What I mean by that is three pass rushers with a down lineman on the front four. You know, as of right now, it's been Karloftis, Mike Dana, as well as uh, Frank Clark alongside Chris Jones. But now you have another body, a proven pass rusher that you can slide in there as well. I, I think something interesting to this conversation too, guys, is, I mean, at least looking at some of the pro football focus stuff, on Dunlap is that he was a really sure tackle tackler last year and he was pretty good with run defense. So that's the thing that you kind of look at when there were some rumors about Robert Quinn coming to the Chiefs, potentially getting traded. We know Quinn for his sack total and, and really getting after the rusher. But I think, uh, you know, if we're looking at these stats and taking them at face value, at least Dunlap at least has a point there that, hey, maybe he can be a contributor first and second down still because he's helping out in other ways that are pass rush. And the Chiefs might be able to get sort of the full impact of that without him just being a situational player. So I don't think that this means he's going to play 90% of the snaps or whatever you want to say with that. Obviously, he is an older guy, but I think his point is he wants to be in there for first downs and second downs and third downs and not, as Herbie talked about, just coming in like a Tom Holly fourth, third down situations. And I think he'll get the chance to do that in Kansas City. Okay, uh, a lot more to get to. Uh, Steve Spagnolo, uh, Sky Moore, and Andrew Wiley also spoke to the media today. All, I want to touch on something uh, from all of them, and we'll do that after we hear from First Federal Bank. When I bought my first home, I was searching for listings and negotiating all on my own. Now I'm back in the housing market, and I could not imagine doing that again. But then I found First Federal Bank of Kansas City's expert loan advisors at ffbkc.com. They were kind, knowledgeable, and available 24-7. My loan advisor answered my questions and helped me feel confident all the way through closing. I trust First Federal Bank because they understand banking is personal. Apply today for a home loan at ffbkc.com homes. First Federal Bank of Kansas City. Member FDIC Equal Housing Lender. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says Start a Subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. Back on Sportsbeat Live, talking Chiefs from training camp in, at, at Missouri Western with Jesse Newell and Herbie Teope, the beat guys. Um, Kendall says uh, he doesn't think uh, Carlos Dunlap will threaten the leaks, become the league sack leader, but uh, he'll be a stabilizing factor on the defense. I hope so for the, for the Chiefs. Uh, Bradley says his length is intriguing. Uh, prototype Spags D-end. That's right. Uh, 
it, you know, it just in, in, in size alone, he reminds me a little bit of Tano Passanio. Uh, now, Tano didn't develop the way we everybody, for a second-round pick, did not develop the way that, um, that the, the Chiefs had hoped, but was a starter uh, for two Super Bowl teams and uh, certainly a good-sized player for, for the Chiefs. Um, okay, hey, so Steve Spagnuolo spoke today, and it's funny. I, I, I think he must have tuned into our conversation yesterday about uh, rookie players and draftees because he addressed a lot of them in his uh, the, the defensive draftees today. And Jesse, I know you ended up writing about that. Um, I, I, look, we 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 established yesterday that we you know we. We like what the draft class is doing, and just about everybody is, uh, you know, thumbs up or arrow pointing up for a lot of them. But uh, what did Spag say about the, the the defensive, such defensive players like Trent McDuffie and Brian Cook and George Karloftis, et cetera? Yeah, I think uh, not only is he tuning into it, but the rest of us are tuning into it because we're asking Spagnola about uh, <laughs> all these guys that are that are happening or that are rookies that are in there trying to perform, but no, he addressed basically all of them today. Uh, everybody except for Nazi Johnson, who we talked about yesterday, and probably the one out of the group that uh, is not immediately, con- you know, looking for that, an immediate contributor type role, at least have, as we've seen it so far. But talked about McDuffie saying he's been outstanding so far. They mostly kept him in one position. Uh, Spagnuolo said that they're going to have to move him around to get him more experience in other places, but they kind of want to keep his mind free at, at one particular spot for now. So, uh, you know, we've seen him line up outside quite a bit. Brian Cook, uh, we mentioned this yesterday. Brett Veach loved his intelligence, and Spagnuolo today talked about his intelligence, how he's picking up the scheme so much. So he's been the guy for them when they come into the dime uh, package. He's been in there and allows them to do a lot of different things when it comes to the three safety look and three DB look, uh, you know, to rotate in a lot of different ways. So they seem to like him. And then Joshua Williams, who was kind of the star of camp, I think, last week for the Chiefs. He was the fourth-round pick. Now he's been supplanted for first-team reps at least the last few days by Jalen Watson, but uh, they just say Joshua Williams is great with press. He's got that size, and that he's sort of uh, taking everything in. Spagnola talked about the technique that they like to use, that he is taking every word of that and trying to do it exactly the way that the Chiefs want him to do. So they like his ability to learn and to try to do things that they teach. And then Spagnola kind of interesting comments on Jalen Watson, just saying he's trying to keep uh, you know Joshua Williams motivated by putting those two guys together at the number one spots, but also said he was kind of a slow starter this camp, but he's emerged lately and had two really good practices in the last two days, including uh, the indoor drills where Spagnola said that he had uh, two really good reps to start off of uh, that practice. So that's fascinating to watch and also fascinating to watch when we talk about these guys emerging, you also have to talk about the other guys that you wonder about at the end of this roster now, Lonnie Johnson or DeAndre Baker, those sorts of guys. So uh, it'll be something to watch in the first preseason games for sure. And as these guys get more experience and have the lights turn on, you know, whether they continue to perform the way they have so far, that's something to watch, especially when it comes to these rookies. Uh, heard nothing to dissuade me of uh, from the points we were making in the conversation yesterday about just how impressed we were with uh, with some of the guys. I guess uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that Steve Spagnuolo confirmed our uh, our observations. Uh, Sky Moore also a, uh, a subject at the podium today, and uh, was a uh, did I see this right? I had a, a couple of highlight plays today, uh, receptions and uh, something of a like like the Tyreek Hill end aroundish uh, uh, snap. And uh, we this is I think this is the second time we've heard from Sky Moore during training camp. 
Um, Herbie, did he? Um, did, does has the game slowed down a little bit for him? Do you think is he getting more comfortable here? Well, I kind of asked him that very question. You know, where does he feel he is because he is making plays out here consistently. We, I don't think we can go a day without all of a sudden. Well, that's Sky Moore in there. Yeah, sure enough, that was Sky Moore making a, a play down the field. He he admitted, look, he said this this is a complex offense. So you know he's still learning it. But what I my biggest takeaway from that today was the fact that he sits behind Patrick Mahomes. You know when they're watching film, he's sitting behind Patrick Mahomes, and if he sees something and he has a question. He's in Mahomes' ear, and then, of course, because they're in a team meeting, Mahomes will whisper back to him, you know, what he's seeing and what he should do and what he shouldn't do. Look, the, the guy is impressive, and it's funny that we're talking about Sky Moore because in the media room, we were talking, like, who are the stars of the camp? And, you know, Sky Moore's name came up because he's been that impressive out here. There was a question in there earlier. I saw something about uh, someone was asking who's – Who's going to have more than 50% of the snaps, Sky Moore or Pacheco? I'm going to say it's probably Sky Moore. I, yeah, I, I think so, too. I, let's, I want to address that uh, you know, Pacheco here in a second. Uh, but Brian asked about uh, seeing Sky Moore in the backfield today, almost Debo Samuel-like. Is, you saw that, Jesse? Yeah, they lined him up back there, and that's something to take from camp. You know, They can't really hide anything from us as they're installing this sort of uh, the offense they do. So, yeah, there was one where it was interesting because – McKinnon was out wide or in the slot and then they moved Sky Moore and motioned him back to be a running back and basically gave him a handoff and he, he broke off for a big gain again I say big gain this was not really them going at each other this was just the defense giving the offense a particular look and then them running through they didn't have full pads on today so it's not like that play wouldn't have gone for a touchdown it had to go for a touchdown unless Sky Moore tripped over his own two feet uh, but but I think that this speaks to something to keep a watch on as, as preseason goes on and potentially the regular season is that yes, Sky Moore has been used. I don't know if when you want to call a Debo Samuel type role, but Andy Breed's talked about, and this is going to be the, the I'm sure this is going to be the uh, nickname for him, right? Is it going to be thigh more for him? Because he's <laughs> talked about his legs, how big they are. They look like a running back. So potentially they might use him as sort of a gadget player running back. Meanwhile, having said that, I think we've also seen, and, and Kirby, you can correct me if I'm wrong because you've been at more camps obviously than I have seen Clyde Edwards Alaire split out a lot more and on a lot of routes. So that's something to pay attention to, to try to see how those guys work with their skill sets. When you have Tyreek Hill, maybe you don't have to throw it to your back as much, but again, we've seen Clyde Edwards Alaire split out a lot more. At the same time, we have seen Sky Moore go back to the backfield and maybe use those thighs uh, in a different way than he would as a receiver. So that's something to keep track of, something to watch as we move forward. He was actually asked about that. I think uh, our colleague Pete Sweeney from uh, 610 Sports asked him, was he accustomed to that kind of stuff? And Sky said, look, yeah, I, I'm used to this because I did this in college. So, you know, the jet sweep type action, lining up in the backfield, that's something that he's accustomed to. And, you know, Andy Reid, when Andy Reid knows his players have a certain skill set and they're good at it, he'll design plays to, to highlight that. The other player that we heard from today uh, was Andrew Wiley, uh, right tackle. And so when I heard he was coming to the podium, I just did a little – a quick little search of him and realized, uh, I guess, I guess it's, it must be probably obvious to some, but I, I didn't realize he's the most experienced offensive lineman, you know, in for, for the, for the chiefs, right there, you know, their offensive, you know, Tooney has played longer and th that sort of thing. But, uh, but in terms of tenure with the chiefs uh, th that no, nobody has, uh, you know, has been here longer than Andrew Wiley, um, 
more starts, more games in the Chiefs uniform, and how Herbie is uh, is that role, is that significance to, to to Wiley, and how can he how can he use that? Well, first off, the experience you can you can never knock the experience factor when you talk about this offense. So when you have all these young guys, and you know he mentioned last year he and Mike Remmers were, were like the the oldest guys in that offensive line room. And it was critical because you had all these new guys coming in, including three rookies that actually began the season as starters. I like the fact that he, he brings the versatility as well. You know, he can play guard and play tackle, but this year he tended to focus more on tackle because as he kept saying, it was implied that if he returned, he would be given that shot at right tackle. So, you know, experience matters, especially in an Andy Reid scheme. And, and did I hear this correctly? Because I, I think some of it, some of the uh, audio cut off for me that the first game he started at tackle was the Super Bowl loss to to Tampa Bay, and he said he was basically a guard playing tackle that game. Uh, that uh, you know that's that, that's how sort of fish out of water he, he he seemed for that game. And of course that that's the famous game where Patrick Mahomes scrambled for what five hundred yards or something. So, um, but look. When, you, when we talk about or think about the Chiefs offensive line and then you consider, you know, Andrew Wiley as a starter, you don't think of the line being, you know, well, they have to start Andrew Wiley. This must be a substandard offensive line. I, I don't I don't think that way. Um, there was a time when Andrew Wiley was starting a tackle and I thought, boy, there's no Fisher and, you know, they're, they're, they're having to plug a hole here. But I think I think Andrew Wiley is, um, you know, has, has, has earned his keep and can be a pretty effective right tackle. Seven starts last year, so you're absolutely correct. It, 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 this isn't an experiment anymore like it was in the Super Bowl. This is his position. You know, when you have seven starts and you have the offseason to focus on playing tackle, you know, he, he's making that transition. All right, you guys. So Kendall asked again about uh, Isaiah Pacheco and, uh, you know, with, with his speed. And let's let's kind of leave on this thought. Um the, the I think we've established the running back room is getting crowded. It's not getting crowded. It's been crowded. And, you know, you can, you can look at, you know, five guys, right. Um, who are, are part of the competition and there's not enough room on the roster for, for that many running backs. So, um, it, you know, is there a possibility that a running back could be traded in camp? Brett Feach has made trades before. Would, would that be a, a possible solution to thin out the crowd at running back? Real quick, can confirm that uh, right here, Bugs do crawl down <laughs> my back. Uh, that was what was happening earlier. So this guy, I'm going to let him go free, but uh, that is part of the hazard pay I'm going to get from the star for being outside and showing you, you beautiful scenery, uh, the beetle crawling down my back as I'm trying to analyze <laughs> the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, it could, Blair. You know, the Pacheco thing is interesting because – Every national person who seems to come through camp, one of their main notes is Isaiah Pacheco is really wowing the Chiefs. And usually that comes from people that are sort of at the top of the organization. You know, if, if these guys come in here, they get uh, usually to talk with those people. And so that's coming from a very good place. The thing with Pacheco is you kind of got to figure out where he's at in this spectrum because uh, I think the Cream Hunt comparison did come from Albert Breer, who's with Monday Morning Quarterback. And that was the top of his five notes from Chiefs camp, I believe. And they said that. He said that Chiefs, uh, you know, see some similarities to Kareem Hunt with him. Probably a little bit early for that. Of course, Pacheco made a great catch in camp today. I know the video is out there on that. So the more that he shows hands, the more uh, versatile he potentially could be. 
I think, you know, I was talking earlier today on, on radio and the, the thing about him is who he kind of reminds you of physically is Niall Davis, uh, where like a big guy who returned kicks, who had really blazing speed. The problem with Niall Davis was he didn't really have enough wiggle in his game. You know what I mean? And never really made it as running back was just fine as a kick returner. So that's a question with Pacheco. He'll still have to answer and it's still early in camp, but they are really high on him. And again, uh, we remember Brett Veach talking about this in the running back class even before the draft happened. He said he thought there was going to be a 1,000-yard rusher either in the seventh round or undrafted. It got to that point in the draft. He saw Pacheco still there, liked him, took him, and the Chiefs have been really impressed with him so far. So in terms of trades, you would think Ronald Jones would be the most likely candidate. Uh, the Chiefs had a guy like Carlos Hyde not too long ago who they were able uh, for a while. You thought he was going to be in the rotation, and then they traded him away. So uh, maybe something like, like that could happen. But Depends on if the Chiefs want to keep four running backs or three running backs. And we've seen a lot of Ronald Jones. I called him the my player of the uh, camp day yesterday where in red zone situations and with pads on, he looks a lot better as a one-cut-and-go guy. So we'll see how this plays out. And as I wrote about and talked about in this uh, video previously, Brett Veach was most interested when we talked to him to see how this running back battle would turn out. So I think this is something that we're still a few days away from knowing or having more clarity on the situation just because I think everybody in this building uh, right here in front of me is still wondering how this thing is going to shake out. All right, and we'll pick up the conversation on Saturday because the Chiefs don't practice Friday. So Saturday, Sunday, uh, full of Chiefs uh, training camp, and I won't be here, but Herbie Teope will sit in the pilot seat and guide Jesse Newell and other guests through the show. From Starbucks. I will do it from Starbucks. <laughs> as as he's doing right now, as a matter of fact. All right, for Jesse uh, on the quad and Herbie in the union and uh, Monty Davis uh, spinning the dials, doing a great job producing. And for First Federal Bank, their website is ffbkc.com. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. You guys have a great weekend and we'll see you again soon. That'll do it for today and this week. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Randy Mason, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Shout out to our sponsor, First Federal Bank. Their website is ffbkc.com. And a tip of the cap to beat writers Jesse Newell and Herbie Teope for sharing their insights on the Chiefs. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sportsbeat KC. Sportsbeat KC.